Would you turn with me to two openings, please, this morning? John chapter 17 and uh, Matthew chapter 5. John 17 and Matthew chapter 5. <clears throat> Like Phyllis said, we have services on uh, Friday nights at 7.30, Friday evenings, and then 10 o'clock on Sunday. And uh, we've begun, when I believe, uh, laying the foundation of the church. And I believe we'll have different kinds of services. We may have services where we do more praising and worshiping. We may have services where we pray some. Right now, I'll probably do some extra teaching because uh, we all need to be saying the same thing, believing the same thing, amen, on the same page, so to speak. And I'm believing the Lord, and I would ask you to pray with me if you feel hooked up about what He wants done with us. And we we begun on Friday talking uh, uh, talking about some things, a series entitled Truth or Tradition. And we're continuing with that. But this is, um, is something I believe is, that's also foundational. It's something that Jesus prayed, and up until recently I hadn't seen how much emphasis is on it in the Word. Something Jesus asked the Father for repeatedly. Asked the Father to do in prayer repeatedly. And I'm, I'm beginning to see how important it is and how that you and I ought to emphasize it. In John, the 17th chapter, let's begin reading. And this whole 17th chapter is a prayer that Jesus is praying. You know, sometimes I don't know that we realize what we have access to. How many would like to hear some of Jesus' uh, uh, teaching on cassette? Would you like to get some of Jesus' series? Did you know you can Get you a cassette recorder or a CD or whatever and just read this onto it and then you'll have Jesus' teaching. Play it in your car, play it, right? Well, how many would like to be able to kneel down beside Jesus and pray with Him? And hear Him pray? And see how He prayed? Well, we, we've got this whole chapter. John 17 is Jesus praying. And we know he prayed a lot of things. I mean, we're told sometimes he prayed all night long, but we're not told everything he prayed. But this is so significant that it's recorded in this whole chapter. So, so read it with me, if you would, for a few verses. John 17, 1. These words spoke Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven. And he said, or we could say he prayed, Father, the hour is come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you. Say that out loud with me at least a couple of times if you would. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. Say it again. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. Now, Jesus said it like this, uh, 
Well, let's just say it one more time just the same way. Close your eyes. Say it again, please. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. This is not the only time Jesus prayed this. If you back up just to hold your place in John 17, we're not through there, but back up to the 12th chapter. John chapter 12 and 28. John 12, 28. Jesus said, Father, glorify your name. How many can see this is something that, that was strong in Jesus' heart? And he, he was doing some things and, and he, he talked about it. He was stirred in his heart and just out loud in front of the people. He just said out loud, Father, glorify your name. And listen to this. Then came there a voice from heaven. Boy, talk about a response to your prayer. Immediate, audible from heaven. The Father said, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Glory. Everybody say glory. Glory. It's interesting, the next verse, the people said, stood by and heard it. I mean, they heard it. And some said it thundered. And others said as an angel spoke to him. You know, depending on where you're at spiritually, you hear differently. (laughs) Some people hear life-changing revelation. Others hear a long-winded preacher. Huh? Right? So, two people in the same service. One leave forever changed. Their life's on a different track. They have a different life. They wind up at different places because of things that happen inside. The other leave bored. Why? That's why the scripture says, take heed what you hear. Take heed how you hear. But do you see what a powerful thing? Jesus said, glorify your name, Father. And he said, I have and I will. Audibly. Just a couple of chapters later, here he is praying about it again. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. Go back to John 17, please. Verse 2. John 17, 2. As you've given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you've given him. And this is life eternal. That they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I love that verse. What is life eternal? It's not what group you belong to. It's not what formula you were baptized in water. It's not what what role or list your name's on here down on the earth. It's knowing God. I said it's knowing Him. You know, just to, I know we're, we're, we're getting acquainted. Um, let me tell you a little bit about my background. I grew up, my grandmother, a secretary and treasurer in a, a holiness Pentecostal church. My great-grandfather gave the land for the church. It's interesting, back when she was a young woman, they had uh, multiracial services out in their pasture by the pond. 
Interesting. That was a long time ago. And had the Holy Ghost come. Had some great times out there in, in the pasture. So as in my earliest years, uh, my parents weren't really going to church like they should. But my grandmother saw to it that us boys were there every day, Sunday, in the, in the Pentecostal church. I got saved, though, in the Baptist church when I was 12. Because we were going there at that time. I went to a Church of God church for a while. And, of course, I've been to a lot of faith and charismatic churches. And, and you know, some interesting, Phyllis and I have traveled for 20 years, and you'd probably be surprised at some of the churches we've gone to. Presbyterian. I don't mean charismatic Presbyterian. And Baptist. Phyllis grew up Catholic. Somebody said, well, well which group is right? Which one's the best? Well, none of us know it all. None of us have it all. And uh, we need to walk in the light that we have. And, and this, this group, this church is non-denominational. That doesn't mean we're against anybody. If anybody loves the Lord and believes in Him, I'm for them. Amen. Amen. And everybody's welcome. But in this, in this passage, he said it's knowing God. That's life eternal. Like like my wife is fond of saying, you know, uh, when you get to heaven, you're not going to have a badge on that says, I'm Baptist, I get in. <laughs> I'm Catholic, I get in. Are you? No. Mm -mm. no. No. But who are the ones that are saved? Those who know Him. Yes. Believe on Him and know Him. Scripture says those that love Him are known of Him. Keep reading. He said, I've glorified you on the earth. Verse 4, there it is again. I've what? Glorified. I've glorified you on the earth, and I have finished the work which you gave me to do. And now, O Father, what? Glorify, glorify thou me with your own self, with the what? Glory. glory which I had with you before the world was. Skip down to verse 10. Many good things here, but we're just emphasizing one side of this today. Verse 10, he said, all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. Now, instead of them, you could put the word us there, because them is referring to us. Is he to be glorified in us? That's pretty weak. Is he? Yes. Is it the will of God? Is it the plan of God? Is it the desire of God that he be glorified in us and through us? Jesus is our example. Should we desire what he desired as he walked the earth and be hungry for what he was hungry for? He was hungry... And he was zealous, if you could let me use that word, for the glory of God. He wanted the Father to be glorified in everything he said and everything he did. He said, I do always those things that please him. What does it mean to glorify God? Well, it means that you exalt him. It means that you magnify him. Other translations bring out gleaming or shining. I like to say it like this. He shines through. Yes. 
He shows through you. So that when people see you, they don't just see you. They see something of Him. Amen. And the bigger He lives in you, and the bigger He operates through you, and the more that He talks through you and operates through you, when people see you, it's like Jesus said, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And that's your and my call, that if people have seen us, they've seen Jesus. And if they've seen Jesus, they've seen the Father. Then when you say that, people go, oh, oh, no, I don't know about that. If you've seen me, you've seen Jesus. I don't think so. <laughs> well, it's not optional. It's what you're called to. It's what we're commanded to. 1 John 2, 6 says, He that says he abides in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. None of us have arrived at perfect, total Christ-likeness. We're growing. But we can purpose in our hearts that next year this time, I'm going to be more like him than I am today. Amen? And that in all of our doings and all of our thinking, we're checking our heart going, how would Jesus handle this situation? What did I see him do in the gospel account? What do I see him revealed in the epistles? Then that's how I should respond. That's how I should think. That's how I should do. Because it is true that that your life is the only Bible that a lot of people are going to read. And people should want Him from being around you. And I'm not just talking about you preaching at Him all the time. I'm talking about your life. I'm talking about your life glorifying God. Amen. Him seeing, them seeing Him through you. Keep reading. Skip down if you would. On down to verse uh, 17. He said, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, even so I have also sent them into the world. Did you get that? God the Father sent Jesus. And Jesus sent who? Us. For their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That's all of us. That they all may be one, as you, Father, art in me, and I in you. That they may be one in us, that the world may believe that you've sent me. And the what? The glory which you gave me. I have what? Oh, did you get that? Is that true? Could that be true? The glory which you gave me, Jesus is speaking, he's praying, he's talking to the Father. He said, the glory that you've given me. Remember, he stood out in chapter 12 and said, Father, glorify your name. He said, I have and I will again. He said, this glory that you've given me, I have what? Given them that they may be one even as we are one. Can we glorify God? Can He be glorified in us and through us? Go back to Matthew, if you would, the fifth chapter. Matthew chapter 5. Said out loud while you're turning, God glorified in me. 
Matthew 5 and verse 13. Matthew 5, 13 says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor, or we could say its saltiness, wherewith shall it be salted? It's thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. You're supposed to be salty, Christians. All of us, let me say it like this. Regular or spicy? Huh? What you supposed to be? Spicy Christian. Amen. Do you wonder wonder if we got any bland Christians around? Colorless, tasteless, flavorless, just kind of fit in with everything. Kind of chameleon Christians. No, we're supposed to, I mean, the emphasis here, we're supposed to stand out. Now, I don't mean we're supposed to try to aggravate everybody we meet. Or irritate everybody we meet. No, no, some people do, bless their hearts. That's, that's not what we're talking about. But we're talking about there should be something distinctive about you. Something different about you. Amen? That there's some life to you. There's some spark to you. There's some fervency, some heat to you. Amen. When you walk into the room, life ought to come into the room. Light ought to be there. Amen. You ought to just brighten up a place when you come in. You you know, one of the worst witnesses is a depressed Christian. It's contradiction of terminology to say, I'm a depressed, like anointed one. (laughs) He was anointed with the oil of joy and gladness above his brethren. And when God is real in you and you're walking with him, you're going to have some bounce in your step. You're going to have some joy in your countenance. You're going to have some life about you. It's no wonder some people don't want to be a Christian. Because they have relatives who are. And they're thinking, if being a Christian is being like Uncle Bob, then forget it. If being a Christian is being like ain't many, then no. Because they're sad and they're sour and they're griping and they're always preaching everybody into hell. Hmm? Judging. Do you understand? Telling people they're going to hell is not the good news. That's not good news. You're going to hell if you don't change. People don't go, whoo, that's good news. That's bad news. Isn't it? And most folk that are in a bad lifestyle, they know it. They know they got problems. They just don't know what to do about it. Give people the good news first. Then if they don't receive it, then you got some bad news. But give them them the good news first. God loves you. Jesus has already paid the price for all your sins. He's not mad at you. He's not against you. If you'll just believe Him and receive Him, He'll wash you. He'll cleanse you. You can be saved. If they say, I don't believe in all that stuff. Well, we got some bad news. You're You're going to hell if you don't change. 
But give them the good news first. And then if they accept that, then you got no bad news for them. Right? Everybody say salty Christian. Spicy Christian. In fact, I think it's all right to be extra spicy. Christian. Amen. Have some, have some uh, vim, vigor, and vitality. Some life of God. Some, some strength. Stir up. You know, if people can come in and sit down beside you and tell that things are not going good in your life, then you're a carnal Christian. You know what I mean by that? Somebody can just come in and be with you for a few minutes and just can look at you and go, well, is it, is it rough at home? Kids are acting crazy again. That woman of yours. Bill problems. I say, if people can just look at you and tell that, then you are just living by your feelings. And you're only conscious of what's going on in your life. When you walk by faith, people can't tell. They can't tell that you got all kind of things going. Everybody's got something going on. Anyone, I could come up here this morning and cry. If I told you everything that we're believing for and everything we're doing, we'd probably all be crying here this morning. <laughs> but what good is that going to do? No, it takes, takes less energy to shout. Amen. Smile. Give God glory. Beside that, that's faith and that's what God needs to be able to work in our life. Amen. Give Him glory. Say out loud, I'm a salty Christian. I'm a spicy Christian. Hallelujah. Yeah, extra spicy. That's it. No more bland, tasteless believers. You, I mean, I'm trying to get off of this, but I'm having difficulty. I mean, you, you know that, I mean, sometimes people, they work beside somebody for three months not know they're Christian. Huh? How does that happen? You got to be bland. You, gotta, you have lost your saltiness. You're no longer spicy. No, people, not, not just because you preach at everybody or quote verses to everybody, but just because of how you are. You got life, you got bounce, while other, other folks are crying, you shout. Amen. You have that resiliency, you have that, that unconquerable spirit of faith about you. There's a difference about you. Keep reading. That's what he's talking about. Verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. Now, you know, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. I'm talking about this church as well. God didn't put us here to cover up. Right? We are the light of the world. Not the only thing, but we are supposed to be light too. Neither do men light a candle and then put it under a bushel. But to put it up on a candlestick so it can be seen and it gives light to all that are in the house. Now get this, verse 16. Verse 16. Here's the punchline. Let your light so shine. Where? In front of people. Before men. That they may see your good works. That's not just preaching. Good works. Things that you do. I'm, I, I got some things in my heart. How many believe in uh, feeding the poor? And the hungry? 
How many believe in helping orphans and widows? Hmm? Helping people that's, that's they're having, having a rough time. How many believe in mission outreaches? Amen. I believe in it strong. we we got some things already in the works. And uh, if you're going to come here regularly, I'm just going to warn you, we're going to work you. You, you. you will not just be able to come and warm the seat always. <laughs> we'll able to send you to another country and put a hammer in your hand. Amen. We'll able to load you up with a bag of tracks and send you out to people that don't even understand English. Well, brother, that's brother Keith. That's just not my call. Well, said who? <laughs> Somebody needs to be seeing your light. You need to be shining. Amen. Amen. Yes, here. But we need to be flexible. I didn't plan to move to Branson. <laughs> but here I am. If he's our Lord, then we go where we're told. We do what we're told when we're told, and we're glad to do it. And we do it with zest and spiciness. <laughs> You'll remember that, won't you? <laughs> that they may see your good works and that they may what? Glorify, Glorify your Father which is in heaven. Glorify God. Glorify your Father which is in heaven. That is That, that was and is Jesus' desire. That the Father would be glorified in Him. That is my desire, isn't it yours? It's my desire that God be glorified in me, in Phyllis, in my staff, in, uh, in everything that we do. Everything. The Bible says that you're not your own, 1 Corinthians 6, 20, isn't it? You're bought with a price. So glorify God in your body and in your spirit. Which are God's. First Corinthians 10.30 I believe it is. It says whatever you eat. Whatever you drink. Whatever you do. Do it all to the glory of God. Can you drink water to the glory of God? Can you eat a steak to the glory of God? Yeah you can sit down and say steak. I'm calling you into the ministry. <laughs> I'm going to use... The strength that I get from you to pray, to praise, to serve God. Man, when you do things right. I know years ago, I was able to get a, a sports car. And uh, uh, I was out there cleaning it up. And some of the neighborhood boys came by. And they were all, oh, they were infatuated with it. And they were looking at it and oohing and on. And after a while, they said, you know, what, what do you do? I said, I'm a preacher. They about fell out. <laughs> and then asking me about the, what do you do with this car? I said, fellas, this is a church going sports car. I said, this car has been to church so many times, it'll almost go by itself. <laughs> what do you need a car like this to go to church? What, did God make all the nice stuff for drug dealers? How many understand everything that you have? I mean, God gives you some nice clothes. Some way or another, it ought to give God glory. Right? God puts you in a good house. Some way or another, God should get glory out of this. Right? Everything you have, everything you do. But so much of this has to do with you. 
and me. The biggest hindrance to God getting glory is people trying to take the glory for themselves. Biggest deal. Closely related to it is they try to give it to people that's close to them. Either take it to themselves or a real common one is my kids. Or even my, my church. But it's still mine. It still comes back to me. You're close to, are you close to John? You're in Matthew, aren't you? Go to John, please, 7. Believe with me, i got enough material here for a seminar this morning. I don't want to keep you. I, we, we, we can't cover all of it, but believe with me, we'll, we'll just do the right thing. Not too much, not too little. Just right. John 7, are you there? John 7, Jesus said this. Something that I, I have held to for years. Now, it helps me all the time. John 7 and verse 18, I believe it is. That's correct. John 7, 18 says, He that speaks of himself, what's he doing? He's seeking his own glory. But he that seeks his glory that sent him, that's God. That's Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit. That one is true, and there's no unrighteousness in him. You can tell volumes about people by how much they talk about their self. People who love God, who are hungry for him to be glorified in their life, they talk about him. Amen. But so many folks don't. They talk about themselves. I did this. I did that. I've got this. I've got that. I had this experience. I know this. I know these people. I've done this. I've been there. Have you ever, have you ever met folks that no matter what you've done, they've done something more exciting? No matter what you've got, they got one better? But that's seeking your own glory. Do you know Jesus never took credit for one sermon he preached? Do you know Jesus never took credit for one healing? Or for one miracle? Or for one deliverance? Do you remember what he said? The Father, the Father in me, he does the works. My doctrine is not mine, it's his that sent me. He's not just trying to be humble, that's reality. That's the truth. You notice it got quieter when I started along this line? Do you want God to get glory? Yes. I said, do you? Yes. Then you got to quit taking the credit. That's right. And you got to quit talking about you and start talking about Him. Years ago when I was in Bible school, my first year, you know, sometimes we hear things and we'll just pick them up and say them because we heard other people say them. We needed a car desperately. And we, we sowed our seed and we prayed and we believed God and we got a good used car. That's where we were at. We were glad. Some, some of the guys, our friends, saw it and they said, wow, it's a great car. How'd you get that? And I said, well, I believed for it. Well, you know, that's not necessarily altogether a bad phrase, but when I said that, my heart was checked. I had a check in my heart. 
And sometimes it's not just what you say, but it's what you're thinking when you say it. And the main thing is what's in your heart. Later on in a time of prayer, I was reminded of that. That came up to me. And uh, I thought, Lord, is there something wrong with that? I believed for it. Is something wrong with that? And he began to talk to me. I don't mean I heard an audible voice now, but distinctly inside me, he began to deal with me. And, and I understood that he was saying this to me. He said, well, this faith that you believe me with, where'd you get it? I said, well, it, it came from hearing your, your word. And you revealed it to me. And uh, he said, uh, you were tempted to give up and quit on it several times, weren't you? I said, yeah. He said, and I encouraged you and sustained you, didn't I? I thought, yeah. He said, and who actually did it and brought it to pass? I said, well, you did. He said, well, my word, my faith, my sustaining, my grace, I did it. And, I, and you didn't even mention me. You just said, I believe for it. Are you with me? You know, we have to watch that. You, giving your faith all the credit, giving your prayer all the credit is another subtle way of giving yourself glory. Somebody come to the altar and get saved. And a lot of times you'll have people say, well, we pray to men. We pray to men. Something happened, well, we prayed it out. We prayed it in. Well, what about... Their mothers and grandmothers that prayed for them for years and the other people. What about the person that invited them to church? What about the, the parking lot person that smiled at them and, and, and kept them from turning away and leaving right then? What, what about the, the, the people in the church? What about the minister that preached the message? What about the Holy Ghost who, who drew them in? What about Jesus who died for them and paid the price? You understand what I'm talking about? Don't, don't just give your prayer the credit. Don't just give your faith the credit. Give God the glory. Give Him the credit. Can you say amen? amen. You understand what we're talking about? Yeah, you're to believe. Yes, your, your faith will be honored. But give Him the credit. Give Him the glory. Say it out loud. God, be glorified in me. Hallelujah. Now... I want to, uh, I don't want to take a whole lot of time, but you're believing with me, right? I can't cover all this, but, but the Lord's helping us. I'm just real quickly going to mention some things that the Scripture says glorifies Him. And then we're going we're gonna to finish up with, with, with some prayer and with some things. People getting saved glorifies God. Especially people you thought were too hard case. People you thought wasn't going to get saved, that glorifies God, and He does that all the time. Healings and miracles and deliverances glorify God. If you read the gospel accounts, you'll see where it talks about so this one, that one got healed, or that one got delivered, and the people glorified God. You know, some have had a wrong idea about how to give God glory. Some have even said and preached. And left the idea that the poorer we are, or the sicker we are, the broker we are, the further down we are, that some way or another, that glorifies God. You know there's a lot of people that believe this. And for some reason people think that if we're doing very good, 
it takes away from Jesus some way or another. I don't think, I don't think they realize what they're saying. Are, are we afraid that we're going to take away uh, some of his greatness if we're doing good? That it's going to take away from him some way or another? That we have to be so low and so far down for him to be seen and noticed? Jesus is the good shepherd, right? The good shepherd. Well, what if you grew up in a village? You'd heard all your life about this good shepherd, good shepherd. Stories about him, legends about him. And one day he's coming through your village. They shepherd sheep there just like they did centuries ago. You look back down the trail and here comes somebody with a staff and behind them there's their flock. And, and you come out and you're looking and as they get closer and closer, you see them and he is a beautiful person to behold. Fine robe, beautiful features, ornamented rod and staff. Carries himself royal, and you're thinking, That's, that must be him. That's got to be him. Must be this good shepherd I've heard so much about. And he's something. And as he comes by, you look at him, and you're just amazed with him. And after he passes, you look back, and you see his flock. And they're a pitiful bunch. <laughs> I mean, they're poor. Their little ribs are poking out. Looked like they hadn't been fed decently in months. And the further towards the back you get, the worse it gets. Here's some that are sick. Here's one that's obviously, obviously been chewed on by a wolf or something. And has got open wound. Hadn't been tended to. Hadn't been healed up. Here's one's got a broken leg. And it's just dragging it along. Hadn't been set. Wool matted. Poor. Sick. Broken. What would you say? What would you say? You say, well, I don't care what they say. He's not a good shepherd. How can you tell? Look at his flock. Hmm? He's our father. Is he a good father? Huh? Is he better than any natural good father that's ever been? What if you look at a man and say, well, he's a good father. Oh, he's a good father. And you look at him and he looks like a noble individual and he's dressed well and he carries himself well. And you look at his wife and, and she looks pitiful. She's not dressed well. She's And every time he raises his hand, she ducks like he's going to hit her. And, and look at the kids and, and, and they're pitiful. Not fed, not dressed, not kept. What would you say? I don't care what they say. He's not a good father. How can you tell? Look at his family. Right? Is it true that the condition of the family is a direct reflection on the man, on the head, on the parents? Is it true that the condition of the flock is a direct reflection on our master? Does it give Him glory when we're defeated, when we're stripped, when we're destroyed, when we're going under, when we're not getting answers? Does that some way or another glorify Him? People try to tell us it does. But it's also a reason why people are staying away in droves. You tell them, you say, well, you know, Jesus killed my children with disease. And He sent a tornado and a hurricane and He blew away my house. And, and he did this, and he did that, and he did the other. And then turn around and say, and, and don't you want to serve him? 
Don't you want to follow him? And they'll say, no thanks. They've already got a shepherd that steals, kills, and destroys. Oh, but friend, when you are serving God, and he's keeping you. Amen. And when other people's businesses are going down, you open three new branches. That glorifies God. When other people are struggling, you're going over. When other people's kids are sick, yours are kept and well. When other people are scratching their head, you've got peace. When others are crying, you're shouting. That glorifies God. It gives Him glory. It exalts Him. And it's not how beat down and broken and and destroyed that you are that gives Him glory. You need to be such that the glory is in you that people ooh and ah over you. That they go, whoo. Man, you're something. And you just say, you think I'm something? You ought to see my master. Amen. You think we're something. You think you ought to see him. Because we don't generate his glory. We just reflect it. Amen. Amen. He's the source of the glory. Can you say amen? Amen. Say it out loud. God, God. get glory glory. in me. me. Signs and wonders glorify God. Anointed teaching and preaching glorify. I have scriptures for all these we're not getting into right now. Being increased. Being delivered. Even when we die, we're supposed to glorify God. How many are we supposed to go out of here with a bang? Amen. You don't have to go out of here in a coma with five tubes and three machines. You can go out like Jacob went out. Amen. Called his children around him. And and blessed them and prophesied over them and then pulled his feet up in the bed and gave up the ghost. Said, I'm gone. See you later. Is it possible? Can we have this kind of victory in life? Yes, it is. But it starts with a hunger, with a desire. I want you to join with me in this. Any part that you feel hooked in with this church, I want God to be glorified in Faith Life Church. Amen. I want Him to be glorified in our lives. I don't want to draw attention to myself. I don't want to draw attention to people. I want Him to be exalted. I want Him to be magnified. That when people hear about us or see about us, they'll think, God's something. God's good. Amen. He's faithful. He's gracious. He's merciful. He's kind. He's good. And people should see it in you. They should hear it in your words. They should see it in your face. They should they feel it in your touch. God's good. So that they don't just leave impressed with you. They leave impressed with Him. Can you say amen? amen. In closing, please go to Romans 15. Romans, the 15th chapter. We're going to pray this prayer out loud. We're going to release our faith. I'm believing the Lord's going to stir this up in you tonight and tomorrow and the next day. And when you start talking about yourself, it's going to come up in you. You're going to go, whoop, 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 wait up, wait up. The Lord has done good things for me. Amen. How'd you get that? The Lord's gracious. Amen. How did that happen for you? The Lord's so merciful. He's so good. He's so kind to us. Amen. He's good. That's why. You know, people are, that's what's motivating. That's the root of people who are evolutionists that deny creation. 
That's the root of people that are so adamantly opposed against the so-called prosperity message. You know, some people that fight what they call the prosperity message are wealthy themselves. Hmm? Well, that's hypocritical. If you don't believe in prosperity, don't practice it. <laughs> I'm serious. And yet when you say that, that makes people aggravate. Well, well, now, I worked hard for what I've got. You hear what the problem is? Hmm? They don't want to give God the credit for it. They want to take the, that's why they're opposed to it. They want to take the credit for it. Well, I'm a self-made man. I'm my own man. Well, then you're not God's man. I pulled myself up by my own bootstraps. So that's what the evolutionist that tries to push God out wants to believe. That we just gathered some courage from somewhere and, and, and out of the goo to the zoo to you. We just, through force of will, we, we jumped out on the land and grew a tail and then jumped down and said, I'm a man, here I stand. And I'm here of my own accord. No, you are not. You are not. God created the heavens and the earth. And he's made man. And I said, you believe in evolution? I believe in devolution. It's a word. What do you mean? I believe, I don't believe, you believe man has evolved to the place where he's at? No, I do not. I believe man has devolved. He was made to fellowship on God's level. And he has fallen to the place where masses of humanity live and act like animals. Did you hear me? Because of sin. No, no. We're not just another animal. We're made in the likeness and image of God. But he should get the glory. Well, I've, I, I stayed up and I burnt the midnight oil and, and I've worked hard to get where I'm at. Listen, if God hadn't woken you up in the morning and given you a right mind, you couldn't have found the door. To go to work. If the Lord hadn't given you ability and opportunities and connections, you would have never had any success or any increase or any prosperity. So you ought to praise Him and you ought to give Him the glory. And when people want to know how you did it, you say, well, I didn't just do it. I had help. (laughs) I've had major help. In fact, God has virtually done it through me and for me. And I've just run to keep up. Amen. Give Him the glory. It's not trying to be humble. Give Him the glory. Give Him the praise. Give Him the adoration. He deserves it. He's worthy. Can you say amen? Amen. Sit out loud, God. Get glory in me. In Romans 15, let's pray this prayer. And I think we'll close. Romans 15. Verse, what are y'all laughing about? Romans 15. Y'all are learning me. You know, Paul, in Philippians, now listen, Paul in Philippians, halfway through the letter, he said, finally, brethren. And he was only half through. So, uh, read it and see. Romans 15, verse 5. This is a prayer. Romans 15, 5. Now, the God of patience and consolation... Grant you to be like-minded one toward another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may, with one mind and one mouth, glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ.
Wherefore receive ye one another as Christ also received us. How? To the glory of God. Close your eyes and put your hands up if you would. And just pray this out loud. Pray it after me. Father God. The God of patience. And consolation. Grant us. To be like minded. One toward another. According to Christ Jesus. Enable us. That we may. With one mind. And with one mouth. Glorify God. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Put both hands up. Why don't you begin to thank Him right now. Oh Father I do. I pray. Be glorified, be exalted, be magnified in us, in our jobs, in our families, in our marriages, in our homes, in everything we have, in everything we do, everything, everywhere we go, in this church, in this ministry. Lord, get glory to yourself. Be exalted, be praised, be magnified. Say it out loud again. Lord, let everything be done in my life in such a way that you would be the most seen, the most noticed, the most exalted, the most glorified, the most praised, for you are worthy. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Put your hands up again. Thank Him. Just thank Him a little bit. Believe that He can get more glory in you. He can be more glorified in your life than He's ever been before. Oh, praise you, Lord. Musicians, if you would come, please. Everybody, singers, come, if you would. Just continue to praise Him a little bit. We're not quite through. Father, we thank You. We bless You. That is our desire. I pray that a hunger be stirred strong in the heart of every person that hears this word and this message, and Lord, that we look to you every day that you would be greater magnified, greater glorified, greater praised in Jesus' name.